Greetings. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Nice to be with you today. Um, I'd like to have a prayer and then I'll share some things. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the Holy Sabbath. We want to thank you for the precincts of this place of sacred worship. Lord, we are praying that the exercise of our religion will be with the presence of the Spirit of God. We are praying that he will come because we need him, absolutely. We are also praying that those divine agencies, the holy angels, will surround this place, that they will shut out any intrusion from evil angels. I pray that they'll guide my mind and my lips, I pray that thou guide our souls. Lord, we know our tendency in this age is to be blind. Please take away our blindness and help us to come before thee in humility. Guide us now and bless us. Teach us from your word. And I pray that when we go forth from this place, we will make decisions to follow Christ more earnestly and to apply those things which we have learned. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I want to read this passage here again and then make a few comments um, before we get into our uh, study. If you would, go to Isaiah chapter 58. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward, and shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt say, thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. So in this uh, passage here that we uh, just looked at, we are looking at um, a special emphasis for God's people in the last days to do medical missionary work. In the uh, Spirit of Prophecy, um, I don't have the reference, but this should be pretty easy to find, we are told that the two branches of work that will go through to the end are the distribution of the printed page and also the medical missionary work. Okay. Um, I was listening a little bit recently to a gentleman who spoke at the Berrien Springs Church in uh, Michigan. Um, he's maybe has something to do with Loma Linda University. But he mentioned a book written by another Adventist gentleman called 
acquired or inspired, and he had examined the writings of Ellen White. And one thing that was interesting is is that uh, as per around 1960, in relative to science, Ellen White was proven to be about 60% correct. And when you get to the year, um, I think it was the year 2000, she, her 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 uh, accuracy had gone up to 87%. Okay. Well, my my belief is her accuracy is 100%. It's just that science is catching up with her. And with all this with all the um you know accusations against the spirit of prophecy concerning uh you know well she borrowed and all this kind of thing. Someone who's done the math on it said her accuracy rate in the midst of the convoluted scenario of this opinion and that opinion that even existed in her day, for someone to duplicate what she did, it would be one out of, I think it was 200 million probability that they would someone could be that accurate. In other words, the woman is inspired. Okay? But anyway, it's very interesting to see how what Ellen White wrote, though she didn't have necessarily scientific concepts in her mind, the accuracy of what she presented on the health message is very impressive. Now, if you notice in the passage that we read today, the Lord says, I want you to do good in the world, and when you do good in the world, I will be there immediately to answer your prayers. Then shall they call, and I will answer. And he also said, then your health will spring forth speedily. Do you realize that in the very process of doing good to others, you benefit yourself? And that selfishness tends towards death and unselfishness and service tends towards life. And the Lord wants us to have the joy of of, uh, serving others and doing good in this world. And as you um, have read um, in Desire of Ages, that there's no limit to what one can do. Chew on that one. Who putting, here's the point, who putting self aside makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit in his life and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. So I'd like to talk to you just a little bit today. I'm going to really... Uh, in in the few minutes that we have, I'm going to try and track a lot of ground without being too rapid. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the literature work. I want to talk to you a little bit about the health message. And I want to wrap up and talk to you a little bit about righteousness by faith. Okay. So anyway... Um, this dear lady here in front. You don't mind me pointing at you, do you, like that, do you? But anyway, she came and helped us down at uh, Heather. She came and helped us down at uh, Circleville. But I want to just tell you a little bit about uh, some of the experiences that I had there and some of the experiences that I've had recently. Um, by the way, I have a lot of these. I have a little card I made up that has the book Desire of Ages on recording. Someone can access it. It's also got great controversy. In my opinion, this is the best audio recording of Ellen White's writings. And this is a nice time of year to give this out. 
You can say, hey, here's a famous book on Jesus' life. The Christmas story is right in here in chapter 4, 5, and 6. I got lots of these. If you want some to pass out, it's really good. And I think once you listen to it, you'd be even more impressed. So there was a handful of us um, back in uh, October that attended a fall festival here in Ohio. I was unaware of this until just last year. But it's quite a largely attended event where they say about 100,000 people per day go to this event. Okay, So I had been there the year before. Uh, there was a few helped me on Sabbath. I was there just on Friday. And then this time I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be there by the grace of God all four days. I had some friends that actually came from Texas to help me, uh, another lady from Maryland. And so there was a handful of us that worked this crowd um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then a, a closer Adventist church came in and helped us on um, Sabbath. I confess that day I skipped church and did missionary work. <laughs> but anyway, it's an amazing experience to walk a crowd and just keep handing out books. Um, the Lord helped this group in the four days pass out just about 9,500 books. Um, we could have used more help because I think we walked away with about 4,000 books that were undistributed when we left. Um, there was one lady on Sabbath who came out of the crowd. She was Jewish. This was very unusual, but once in a while it happened. She came out of the crowd to me and she said, I'm Jewish. What are you giving away? And I pulled out the great controversy and also had a copy of the book Desire of Ages with me and I told her what they were about. She said, I, something to this effect, I don't remember the exact words, but something to this effect. She said, I am very open to Jesus Christ. And she took the two books. Amen. Friday evening after sundown, uh, as we were passing out books, of course, I would walk up to people. I would say, sir, here's a gift for you. This book will explain to you uh, what's happening to freedoms in America, famous Christians from the past, end-time Bible prophecies, and how Jesus wants you in heaven. If I didn't have time to say that much, sometimes the person just, you know, whatever. But that was kind of the basic thing I said. So anyway, a lady was walking out of the, out of the crowd and um, or leaving the event. And it was very interesting because she took the book like this. I told her what the book was about. She took the book like this in both her arms raised it up overhead, and she said, this was meant to be, as if she was anticipating getting something. I had one time a, a, a group of half a dozen teenage girls gather around me. One of them had previously, some moments before or whenever it was, gotten a book from me, and the other girls came. They all came together, half a dozen of them, very happily gathered around, and I gave them each a book. Of course, we had one of these cards that we gave out with it too. Another time, I had a couple teenage girls I walked up to, and they, they were so excited. They said, you know, we were just talking about God and faith. And I said, yeah. I said, this book shows you how there's a battle between God and the devil going on in the world. And uh, they said, yeah, that's amazing. They had just, anyway, it was very interesting. I had one uh, young boy that I gave a book to. And during our brief conversation, he said to me, he said, this is a sincere question. He said, is it wrong to drink beer? He said, I just had two beers today. And he said, I'm feeling guilty. Well, I added to the guilt. Uh, 
I let him know. I said, yeah, it's wrong. Anyway, don't take my comment wrong. But anyway, I did share Christ with him. But I let him know it was definitely wrong. And I said, tobacco is also wrong, too. I said, 400,000 people die every year in the U.S. just because of tobacco, using tobacco. You know, people out there are looking for help. Uh, It was just an amazing experience. On Sabbath, one of the team members that was there passed out over 700 books on Sabbath. Um, I, w- I walked up to one man and um, fine-looking Afro-American man and he talked to me he listened we had a brief uh, conversation there and he said to me before I left he says I just want you to know from you to me from man to man I can see that you're a man on a mission, and I am going to read this book through from cover to cover. Praise God. I was listening recently to um, a gentleman, I guess very vaguely aware of this man, but he's the head of Amazing Facts Canada. His name is Rudy Harnish. I was listening to him on a conference call. And uh, sometime around Thanksgiving. And do you know the Adventists in Canada in the last couple years or so have passed out well over 30 semi-loads or 2 million great controversies? I asked him on the call, I said, how many of these were mail-distributed and hand-distributed? He said the majority of them were hand-distributed. Does that tell you something about some Adventists in Canada and their ambition to get this message out? You remember when that there was that trucker protest in Canada during COVID? So they decided to go to that event and distribute books. And one of the brothers was impressed by God during the night to get into that crowd during the night. Take your van, get into that crowd during the night and park there so you'll be ready in the morning to get out the books. Because I want to understand it. He had a supply of books in his van. And... Um, He parked there, and sometime during the night, the police came along. They said, you get out of here. We're coming through again. The next time we come through, you're here. You're getting a ticket. And they left. So they left, and he thought about it. <laughs> he said the Lord impressed him to stay there. He said he never, they, the police never came back. He never got a ticket. And they were at a vantage point for getting the books out at that event. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Yep. So anyway, uh, the Lord has been blessing me with some really good experiences, but I'm going to kind of abbreviate that. I think I need to put my... Now I can see the clock, okay. So um, anyway, here I'm just talking. I'd rather tell you what the Word says. But I want to talk to you just a little bit about health here, okay? Um, How many, I'm not not going to even take the time to look up the statement right now, but I want to refer to a statement, and I can give you the reference later. I know it's in the book Education, but do you remember reading in the book Education the statement that goes like this? The brain nerves, which connect with the entire body, are the only medium of communication between man and heaven, and whereby heaven can affect his inmost life. That's not precise, but that's pretty close to it. Hey, you remember reading that? Yeah. Yeah. Look, brothers and sisters, 
The health message is not merely so you can run a marathon or live an extra eight years. The health message is, the purpose of the health message is because your body is the temple of God. I'm sorry I don't get everything done in a week, but if I had my five volume of the testimonies here, I could uh, read to you a quote where she very plainly says in connection with giving advice on the diet to eat at camp meetings, she was advocating a more simple diet at camp meeting to give more clearness of mind. And she says, when you eat healthy food, you will be more receptive to the Holy Spirit. So the condition of the body, the level of toxins in the body, high or low, is going to regulate and have an impact on the spiritual life. Okay? I want to read you a statement here in the book, Desire of Ages. Um, Page 277-278. Now, do you remember one time when the Disciples of John came to Christ and they said, hey, look, you know, we fast and your disciples don't fast. Remember that discussion there? And Jesus said, hey, he said, the bridegroom is with them now. But when the bridegroom is gone, meaning when I'm gone from earth to heaven, it will be more fitting for you to fast in those days. Remember that? Okay. Now, there's a very interesting comment here in the book Desire of Ages on fasting. It says, days of temptation and trial would come when they would be brought into conflict with the rulers of this world and the leaders of the kingdom of darkness. When Christ was not personally with them, when Christ was not personally with them and they failed to discern the presence of the comforter. So Christ is gone. They don't sense the Holy Spirit's presence like they would need or want. It says, and they failed to discern the comforter. Then then it would be more fitting for them to fast. Now, fasting is one of the things that lowers the toxic load in your body. See, everybody walks around with the toxic load in their body. The lower that toxic load is in your body, the more healthy you are, the more clear your mind, the better energy you have, on and on and on. Okay? The greater the toxic load grows, the more cumbersome you feel and the worse your health is. Okay? So, drinking your water, breathing air, an abundance of air, eating healthy food, getting exercise, and fasting. Fasting is probably the quickest route for detoxifying the body, but don't go to extremes on it too fast. Okay? Because, uh, well, anyway, I don't want to get all into a discussion of fasting right now, but fasting is wonderful. Did you know that it says in Councils on Diets and Foods, some people would be benefited more by one or two days a week of fasting than by all the medical advice that they could obtain. Wow. Pretty interesting. When the vital powers of the body are not active in digesting food, they can now turn their attention to a cleansing process and cleaning out toxins in the body. Okay? 
you have an interest in fasting, I have a very quick little paper there in the back. You can get one there. So anyway, brothers and sisters, the, the medical missionary work is going to go through to the end. The more we are uh, practicing these concepts, the more we are sharing them, and the more we are learning uh, these concepts, the better ability we will have. And excuse the deficiency of my research for this moment. But you will find, you will find it in the spirit of prophecy. Excuse my pointing, but anyway, you will find it in the spirit of prophecy. She says that if you will go and preach the word and the health message, if you will couple and join the health message to the preaching of the word, you will be 10 times more effective. Wow. Yeah. So being vegan, that's real good. That's not a guarantee. You can still eat lots of fat and, fat and sugar or, or not exercise and all those other kinds of things, being vegan. So anyway, I wanted to uh, share a few things with you on that. There's some lots of interesting things. By the way, I'm going to ramble on here just for a moment. So another presentation I heard recently was by Dr. Uh, Wes Youngberg. And like when I heard him, I thought... Thank God for some of the people the Lord's raising up in Adventism. But one, I just want to mention to you this real briefly here. One of the things he highly, highly recommended was hydrotherapy to fight the spike protein that comes either from the COVID virus or the COVID vaccine. Hydrotherapy, he really emphasized that. And if you want to listen to his lecture, I could pass it on to you if you ask me after after church. Now, it's interesting to me in, in, that the, the, how the Holy Spirit communicates, but if you read the last, the last message to the last church, that is the Laodicean message, there seems to be a strong directive for natural remedies. Remember, that, remember it says, anoint thine eyes with eye salve, okay? Of course, you have the word pharmakia in Revelation 18, which is a negative, for by thy sorceries... Were all nations deceived for by thy pharmakia? Is it in Greek where we get pharmacy? So the trend is to be away from drugs and to emphasize these natural remedies. But when you read the, the Laodicean message, water temperature is mentioned seven times. Let me ask you this. Remember, one time it's lukewarm, Remember? Of course, in this case, it's talking about spiritual condition, but it can be applied to water. But how many of you have ever done hydrotherapy with lukewarm water? Huh? Yeah, like what good do you get done, right? You don't get any results. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, that's lukewarm. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot is mentioned three times and lukewarm is mentioned once. There's an emphasis there on hot, cold water. Did you know just even a quick cold shower after your daily bath will have a tremendous benefit on you? It'll promote uh, white blood cell production, red blood cell production. It will have an electromagnetic effect on your system. It will increase oxygenation. It will, it will help all your vital organs and glands, including the brain, and on and on and on. So anyway, a little encouragement to you there. Take a hot, cold shower or more whenever you need it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, 
Let's try and wrap this up in not too long. I've got to watch my tongue, but I'm going to try and watch you in the clock and not go over the time. So, look, brothers and sisters, God needs a people in these last days who are in communion with Christ, who are in union with Christ, and who have the ability and the experience to preach Christ, to teach Christ. Okay? And it's an experience. You grow and grow. You grow and grow in that experience. I want to talk to you just a little bit about, you can call it righteousness by faith, um, but about the study of the word of God. Okay? I've recently been pondering through Psalms 119, and maybe someday when I'm more satisfied with my grasp of it, I may spend it, if the Lord wills, spend a sermon here <clears throat> just on Psalms 119. But it, it is a very impressive chapter on the value of the Word of God and what the Word of God does for the soul. Let me quote to you a couple verses in Psalms 119. The psalmist said in Psalms 119, he says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. The word quicken means to give life. And when you look at the the word life in scripture, life and righteousness are synonyms. They're the same thing. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. In other words, give me life. Another time he said later on in the psalm something similar. He said, I will never forget thy precepts. I will never forget thy precepts. For with them thou hast quickened me. In other words, given me life. Okay? To me, an amazing chapter, uh, of course, the whole book is impressive, but an amazing chapter in the book Education is the first chapter. I want to read to you a sentence here in this chapter. I'm now reading from page 14, the book Education. It says, whatever line of investigation we pursue, whatever line of investigation we pursue, what she's saying is there, whatever subject you study, Okay. Whatever line of investigation we pursue with a sincere purpose to arrive at truth. We are brought in touch with the unseen. We are brought in touch with the unseen Mighty intelligence that is working in and through all. The word intelligence is capitalized, which means she's referring to God. Whatever line of investigation we pursue with a sincere purpose to arrive at truth, we are brought in touch with the unseen mighty intelligence that is working in and through all. The mind of man is brought into communion with the mind of God. The finite with the infinite. 
the effect of such communion on body and mind and soul is beyond estimate. I suppose we could stop there. Wow. If I have your attention, I'll take just a few more minutes. Another uh, page that has very much impressed my mind, and I would like to read to you from it a little bit, is page 94 in the book Great Controversy describing the morning star of the Reformation, John Wycliffe. It says this, Wycliffe was one of the greatest of the reformers. In breadth of intellect, in clearness of thought, in firmness to maintain the truth, and in boldness to defend it, he was equaled by few who came after him. Purity of life, unwearying diligence in study and in labor, incorruptible integrity, and Christ-like love and faithfulness in his ministry characterized the first of the reformers. And this notwithstanding the intellectual darkness and moral corruption of the age from which he emerged. I hope you'll go home and read this page again at least a dozen times. I'm going to read a little bit more. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, in these descriptions, Christ is holding out to us the same offer that he gave to Wycliffe? Let's drink it in. I'm going to continue reading on. The character of Wycliffe is a testimony to the educating, transforming power of the Holy Scriptures. It was the Bible that made him what he was. The effort to grasp the great truths of Revelation imparts freshness and vigor to all the faculties. It expands the mind sharpens the perceptions, and ripens the judgment. The study of the Bible will ennoble every thought, feeling, and aspiration as no other study can. It gives stability of purpose, patience, courage, and fortitude. It refines the character and sanctifies the soul. An earnest, reverent study of the scriptures, bringing the mind of the student in direct contact with the infinite mind would give to the world men of stronger and more active intellect as well as of nobler principle than has ever resulted from the ablest training that human philosophy affords. The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. And you know, the way to, one of the main things besides the obvious, very important thing in studying the Bible is to pray, to practice what you've learned. If you don't practice what you learned, the Lord's not going to give you more, and you might, you've, you're going to be on the path to losing what you did have. You've got to pray, you've got to practice what you've learned, and you must meditate and think on the scriptures frequently. 
to draw from them what's there because you don't see it at a glance. That's why memorizing scripture can be a very good tool in the study of the Bible. Okay. Um, do I have any questions or comments? Yes. I mean, how do you start doing that? Do, you, um, mean more specifically, are you talking about memorizing or what? No, the, the health reform. Oh, the health reform? What? Um, okay. L- l- I want to make a comment here. You know, I'm very impressed and I'm very thankful with a lot of the very intelligent people we have in Adventism. They are very important to Adventism. But let me say this. If you have 5% of the information, you can help, I believe, about 80% of the problems. Okay? So one of the first things that people need to be encouraged to do is drink plenty of water. Water hydrates the body. Water acts as a carrier for nutrition. Water helps maintain the the energy level of both the body and the uh, brain. Um, Water acts like a hydraulic lift. I came across a man some years back who had had such bad back pain he was going to have to quit his job shoeing horses. Someone said, you're not drinking of water. He drank water after every horse he worked on during the day, and his back pain went away. Um, water is very important. That's a whole big subject. As much as you can get sunshine, okay? Um, and by the way, people of color, you actually need more more sunshine. Do you realize that? You really need to expose yourself to more sunshine. There's wonderful benefits to light, and, and I'm not going to get on to that. But let me just say this. You drink your water. You get your exercise, walking, running, whatever, um, at least 30 minutes a day. Uh, you want to work a sweat. Um, not eating in between meals. And not eating late at night. If you eat in between meals, you eat late at night, you're going to add a burden and a, a, a toxic level to your body because you're overworking the digestion. And, and fasting, for example, I'm a type 1 diabetic. You can, get, you can get very good help in fasting as a diabetic. I can give you a reference to a man that would absolutely help you with that. Uh, people who know what they're doing have put diabetics on fasts and cured them. But you've got to know what you're doing. Yeah, you can definitely do that. Yeah, go ahead. Good. Thank you. You know what? I, I want to just mention to you, I don't know if any of you have ever read the story of Hulda Crooks. I believe she was an Adventist lady. Uh, when she was in her 60s, her health was dilapidated. And her son acted like a missionary to mom, and he started working on her. He said, Mom, you need to exercise. Mom, you need to eat better. And he kept working on her. She got motivated. She got such good shape. She climbed all the 14,000-foot mountains in the North America. And for 25 years, she climbed mountains. She even went over to Mount, uh, Japan climbed Mount Fuji. Here's the point. 
much of us could be performing on a much better physically and mentally if we would be more disciplined and we would pursue these practices. Okay? You got, it's by experience. It's by trial and error. You know, I try and control what I eat, but frequently I see that I've eaten too much. You know, so you got to keep experimenting with these things. Okay? Um, but, uh, yeah, I've got a good paper out there for you on that. So what I want to do is I want to uh, read just a couple things here. I would be glad for a couple more comments or questions if anybody has it. But, brother, please make sure and see me. I can give you some good help there. I want to, I want to, um, and by the way, this little booklet that Ron uh, promoted here, brothers and sisters, that little booklet is simply biblical Adventism. Amen. That's what it is. Look, here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to have a people on this earth that recognize the fact that he is now mediator in heaven. He's doing his final work of atonement. And he is sending his Holy Spirit to transform the believing, depending heart to make them righteous. And he is preparing them for heaven on this earth. Titus chapter 2. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You go to the last chapter in the Bible. And it says... He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. In other words, that announcement from Christ in the sanctuary of the final condition of the righteous and the wicked is made before he comes back. It is in this world that Christ makes the soul righteous. It's in this world that he gives power to obey and he can reach very low to redeem. When you read John chapter 129, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Ellen White will comment and she will say there is much in the takeaway in that text. And that means for you and and for me. So here's a little definition on uh, righteousness by faith. And then I want to conclude on a very sobering, solemn note, reading a statement from the book, Great Controversy. I'm reading now from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 149. It says this, In receiving the word, in receiving the word, we receive Christ. It's that simple. Desire of Ages, page 727. Christ affirmed that his word was in itself a key which would unlock the mystery to those who were prepared to receive it. It had, that is his word, it had a self-commending power. And this was the secret of the spread of his kingdom of truth. So in connection with this uh, statement, um, in receiving the word, we receive Christ. I want to just tie that over with page 55 briefly. It 
It is impossible for man of himself to keep this law, for the nature of man is depraved. Okay, we know that. It's very important to understand the depravity of man. Now listen. God offered them in his son. Now keep in mind, when we receive the word, we receive Christ. Okay? I hope you have mercy on me. I'm talking longer than I intended to. All right. Okay. So I I apologize for making those statements. Just give me a little bit of time if you're willing. But anyway, I want to comment here. So in, in, in page 149, it says, in receiving the word, we receive Christ. Okay? Very simple. Now listen to this. God offered them, that is the Jews and us, God offered them in his son the perfect righteousness of the law. Okay, so you get perfect righteousness not from the law. The law tells you what righteousness is, but you get perfect righteousness from Christ. Okay, now listen. God offered them in his son the perfect righteousness of the law if they would open their hearts fully to receive Christ. Then the very life of God, his love would dwell in them, transforming them into his own likeness. And, now listen, this is very important. And thus through God's free gift, they would possess the righteousness which the law requires. Listen, you receive the word, you've got Christ. And when you've got Christ, you've got the righteousness which the law requires. Not only on the record in heaven, but in the soul. Christ lives his life in the soul. And his righteousness is exhibited in the soul so that the person now is made righteous, literally righteous by faith. Okay. I really appreciate you putting up with me. I, I want to, if I may, I'm going to try and wrap it. But I, I want to share this with you. Okay, Ellen White didn't write everything she said. Did you get my point? She didn't write everything she said. But some people said what she said. Okay, I'm going to read you something that a brother said, that Ellen White said. And the brother has a lot of credibility, Okay. So this is A.T. Jones quoting from a brother named Brother Starr. All right? One of the things he said, and I want you to think about this. One of the things he said is that Ellen White explained that when God gave the Ten Commandment law on Sinai, she said there was literally a canopy of angels surrounding the entire thing. And she says the reason for that was is said that so that no intrusion of evil angels would be allowed to misconstrue or interfere with the message. You realize, brothers and sisters, we need to pray that Satan will be shut out of our assemblies. Not only that Christ will speak in our assemblies, but that Satan will be shut out. There was another time that this brother star related that um, there was an individual who the Lord told her, do not write him a testimony. Merely, when you give him the testimony, you must go to him in person. And speak it to him in person. Because evil angels are so active around him, they'll misconstrue what you're trying to communicate. Okay? Then there was another time, and I want to share this with you because it's so simple and it's so good. There was another time when there was a brother who was involved in secret societies. Okay? Maybe sometime we ought to preach on secret societies. Brothers and sisters, you cannot be part of God's remnant people genuinely and be part of a secret society. Can't do it. It's, It's an antichrist society. But anyway, there was a brother who was part of a secret society, and um, 
Ellen White was shown him in vision. She was instructed to give him some information and she was, or a message, and she was shown him in vision. And the vision represented this brother as, as a man standing on the edge of a cliff, ready to leap to eternal damnation. And being conscious of this situation in vision, she wanted to call out to him and tell him what to do. But she was afraid that if she spoke to him, he would have such a knee-jerk reaction, he would just take an idiot plunge into perdition. So she, she was wondering what she should say. And the heavenly angel standing by her side told her this. He said, tell to him the passport into the society of heaven. And he quoted the five words from 1 Corinthians 2, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Those are the passwords to heaven. Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's your source of power. There's your forgiveness. There's all the treasures of the universe right there for you. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me explain something to you, brothers and sisters. If we read the word of God and the word of God says, look, I will forgive you of your sins. And we do not believe that we are Calling God a liar. Listen. First John five ten, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. First John five ten, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. If we read the word of God, which is very plain, that God is going to cleanse us from sin, give us power over iniquity. And by the way, brothers and sisters, the, the, the Bible teaching in the Old and New Testament both of Christ's ability to give us continual, continuous, complete, perfect victory over sin, even to the point in Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 4 or 10, it says every thought can be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I mean... However you want to say it, perfection, continue over, whatever. It's a biblical doctrine. Okay, If we read that, if we read the forgiveness part and we read the overcoming part, but we reject on some level, any level, the overcoming part, we are accusing God of being a liar. And God is not a liar. So if you call God a liar, who's a liar? Right? And God can't save liars in his kingdom. God saves those who believe his word and trust his word. Mm, all the way. We are to depend upon the word, to do what it says. We are to expect the word to do what it says. It has creative power in it. Okay? Now, I'm going to end on a note here because I think we need to be reminded of this. We have been raised up to give the three angels messages. Okay? What I'm going to read to you now is from the book Great Controversy, but it's right in the third angel's message. She's simply commenting. She's simply saying what the third angel is saying. And there is a statement here um, on page... Um, okay, this is a chapter here called God's Law Immutable. It's talking about the mark of the beast, the image of the beast. And then this, I simply want to read to you this one statement. Brothers and sisters, this is the exact reality that we're headed for. And these realities should cause us to be more dedicated. But anyway, 
Page 449, the book Great Controversy. First, I'm going to quote a piece of the third angel. It says, If any man worship the beast in his image, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. Without mixture means no mercy. This thing is coming to a climax. God has poured out his love for this world, but those who reject his love will receive his wrath. Poured out without mixture, the third angel says. Now, I'm going to read a statement here, a sentence here in the book, Great Controversy. We'll wrap it up with this. The most fearful, threatening, ever addressed to mortals is contained in the third angel's message. It's a message of hope and tremendous power and the love of Christ, but it also contains a warning and a threatening. When Ella White saw in vision the plagues being poured out in the future, she begged the angel to take it away from her. The most fearful threatening ever addressed to mortals is contained in the third angel's message. You know what, brothers and sisters? When we hand out a book or when we witness to someone, we need to see them as Ellen White saw them on the edge of a precipice about ready to plunge. And we need to plead with God for help to reach them because we have a heaven to win and we have a hell to shun. And if there's anybody here that is playing with sin in your life, please do not do it anymore. Make your decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to love his word. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. God bless you.